as part of the program entitled Awakening Through COVID-19. In this episode, I will be speaking with Andy Crossman. Andy has lived in Waltham Forest for 76 years and in his current home in Walthamstow for over 50. Married with some fish and a cat, Andy and his wife sadly lost their dog recently, but are looking forward to getting another when they are able to venture out again. Andy says he is retired, but has done more since his retirement because he now has his own time and space to fill in with what he wants to do. This episode was sponsored by Waltham Forest Council. Welcome, Andy. So I'd like to just check in with you, Andy, on the 15th of September, 2020, and just want to see how you're doing right now in this moment today. I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm being interviewed by Manals and I'm really enjoying it. And I think it's a fantastic occasion to uh, celebrate what we've achieved and what we can do, even under the umbrella of this COVID-19. Mm. I think it's about looking at positives and I think any messages that we can get across now in order to support and help other people and just the same as people have been supporting us. Uh, Annie and I, we've been married for nearly 50 years now and uh, the number of people that have come out of the woodwork and we didn't, we don't even know half of them and say, oh, if there's anything you want, let us know, we'll go and help. And we've totally self-isolated for six months. Right. We haven't ventured out of our house for six months now. Okay. Uh, but that doesn't mean to say nothing's happened. I mean, yeah. it's all going on in the household for the last six months. We've done what everybody else has done, clear out cupboards, you know, get rid of stuff you don't want, find somebody else who's got a spare cupboard because they've cleared theirs out, try to pass <laughs> your stuff on to them, you know, that sort of thing. So, so, <laughs> so we're all up to the old tricks, you know. We're all doing what we can do in order to get rid of stuff. And uh, the easiest way, of course, is if you've got a community because there's always people in your community who need things, who want things. Absolutely. A better time than to say if anybody would like this or would like that and this group that I'm in which is part of the um, Forest Forest Lodge estate group of which we've got about 80 people mm-hmm. always stuff being given away being done in fact I had a message this morning from one of the people saying I'm going to make some bread pudding who would like some so I'll Lovely. down for that uh, and people are just incredible mm. um, what's going on now is something that really warms the the cockles of your heart and uh, makes you feel, you know, even though we're in a lockdown situation, it seems to be a greater fulfillment of actually getting to know people and understanding people. Absolutely, absolutely. So in terms of your experience since since lockdown for, for the period of time that you've been isolating, how, how has it been in terms of the reality of the situation with the... Um, the, the number of deaths that have happened or the actual risk of COVID-19 being out there? Well, well, I think it's interesting. Let me go back to, to, the, to the start. I saw in, I think it was around about the middle of February, I saw on the television a Chinese ambassador Mm-hmm. So there had been a problem in Wuhan in China, but there was no problem, no issues. There was a bit of a thing going on, which just sat in the back of my brain. It didn't really say any more than a bit of news. And then I saw a video of them building 10 hospitals on one site. And my immediate reaction was, how can we say there's nothing wrong? And yet we're building 10 hospitals on one site. This is massive. Mm. And, I, and I said to my wife, I said, we're going into closed down. 
Now, she was a little bit, you know, he's lost it. <laughs> Friends of mine thought the same thing. And I said, well, it is only instinctive that I'm saying, I think we should shut up shop. Hmm. And we started to get a few extra bits and pieces in. And then, of course, it hit. Hmm. And everybody suddenly panicked. There was panic buying. There was this going on and that going on. And I got many phone calls from people saying, Do you know what, you were absolutely spot on. And I said, I was in a very lucky position because I happened to be right. That's why you're phoning me and saying I was. I might have been wrong. And yeah. Just on as normal. We'd have just had a few extra toilet rolls or a few extra this or a few extra that. Um, and we would have just used, a, you know, used that stuff as normal. But the fact remained that it's like it, it, it triggered that thought in my brain. And that's why I said, I think we need to go into lockdown. One of the other reasons is my wife has breathing problems. So she has one of these inhalers she has to have three times a day. They said yeah. people being vulnerable about the elderly not catching this thing. The last thing I want is her on a ventilator. Yeah. And I said, if I'm saying that, you know, you need to stay in, I'm going to stay in. Yeah. So that's what we've done. We've just stayed in. Um, but we haven't sat on our backsides. We've looked at all sorts of other things and probably we can develop those as we go along. But that was the start of it. Right. Since then, uh, we haven't ventured out at all. Okay. Okay. And, and in terms of your mental health, how's that been during this period? Even though you've been stuck indoors, uh, you've said you're, you know, you've been busy doing things. Well, you see, I don't see it as being stuck indoors. Yeah, lovely. I see it as being uh, a world in which you adapt, a world yeah. in which you have to find other ways of changing the norm, of changing the way that you move forward. Mm -hmm. And it is difficult when you're so used to doing things automatically, mm. like telling somebody don't brush your teeth tomorrow morning, you regularly go in and that's part of the process of the day, yeah. that's part of how you get on with life, you automatically clean your teeth. And somebody say, oh, blimey, you know, I actually went in, I know you told me not to, and I actually still went in and did the thing. We're yeah. so used to doing things instinctively Mm -hmm. and in a way so the first thing that we looked at was what hours of our lives would we not normally be indoors mm. well, we'd be traveling down to the shops we'd be traveling to the do-it-yourself departments we'd be going out and doing this and doing that and we gathered about 20 hours a week mm. we knew should be allocated to what we'd be doing if we went out now how do you then convert that 20 hours to something internally yeah you're going to be increasing communication to people, emails, writing letters, talking to people like yourself, mm -hmm. uh, Zooming, videos, WhatsApps, and all that sort of thing, new ideas, new ways of working. And it's yeah. how to convert because it's a resource. Your yeah. 24 hours a day is a resource. Totally. How you use those 24 hours is critical in making your life feel accomplished, happy, fulfilled, and, and, and that's, that's how you have to tackle with it. Now, it's mm. easy for a bugger like me who's 76 years old to convey that message. But if you can get that across even to youngsters, yeah. and there's youngsters with so many skills, latent skills. One of, one of our friend's daughters, she, she got her a little keyboard to play on because she thought she's going to be stuck indoors. And she's absolutely producing music. She's knocking stuff out. Brilliant. She'd never have done that if I hadn't bought her that keyboard. Totally. So there is a discovery. There is yeah. a way to discover things. It's not going to fit everybody. I'm also in the luxurious position of being able to say what I've just said. 
And I do mm. recognise there's many people out there who are not in that same position. Mm. And they're the people we're trying to reach out to. They're the people we're trying to get to. And they're the people trying to say, hey, you know what? There are people. We've got, a, as I said before, we've got 80 people on a WhatsApp group. But what about all those people who are not on that WhatsApp group? Um, or technology, yeah. How, how do we then get to them? I've mm. got a couple who live, live next door to me are in their 80s. They haven't got any technology, but I talk to them every single day. I ask them if they want anything, if they can do anything. Mm. It's not one way because me simply talking to them tells me there's still people around the corner. They're still there to be. Absolutely. Open. And so it is a two-way process, mm. and um, and I I just think it's how you look upon this disease in terms of there's a certain amount of acceptance which has to be that people are going to be are going to die from it. Mm. That's that's a fact of life. Mm -hmm. The other fact of life is we're all going to die anyway at some. Exactly. Point. Yeah. Um, now, the fact that it happens to be this disease, and it's like saying if you stand in the middle of a motorway, your life is going to be shortened very quickly. Yeah. How do you avoid it? You don't walk down the motorway. So mm. how do you avoid the disease? You keep away from it, if we yeah. go by what the scientists tell us. And I think it's very important. Um, and if I've got one, one, I suppose, criticism at the moment, is there has to be some sort of national strategy Mm. which deals with this you can't i can't see how you can have pockets of people over here who've got to abide by this and pockets over there and when you've got people who are selling you what you should do not abiding by it themselves you're not going to get the support of the people people mm. are just going to do what they want to do but i yeah. think if you can get across the individual and the biggest thing that can happen to an individual is that it's somebody they know or some mm. member of their family or so a, a neighbour suddenly gets caught by it and all of a sudden the reality comes home. Yeah, it comes home. Once Absolutely. that reality comes home, then you get a twist. Then you get people suddenly spinning and saying, well, oh, hang on a minute, you know, mm. just down the road is a very good friend of mine. He's just... Finished. Well, they'll take it a lot more seriously, exactly. So yeah. if, if there were... If there were like three things that you've learned through this period and i know you're 70 was it 75 um, <laughs> um what 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 have you what are three things just to, just to keep you up to speed with that my wife has said we're not going to have candles on the cake this year we're going to have a bonfire so, <laughs> so we have any cake <laughs> that tells you you know you're getting to that age where they just can't count the number of candles <laughs> We'll go with that anyway. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll be happy with that. Oh, um, I mean, in terms of, because we're never going to stop learning, but are there three things that you'd like to share in terms of what you've learned because of COVID-19? Not because of COVID-19. I mean, I, I share my philosophy of life, which is mm. quite interesting, and whether we've got time for that, I don't know. But it, I can give you the potted version of it if you'd like to hear it. Yes, please. I don't actually have a religion. I have a belief in people. It's the spirit of people that I can see, that I can feel, that I can hear, that I can... And, and that to me is greater than any religion. I do understand having a religion and yeah. I do understand why people need a religion. Yeah. And I've got friends who are, you name it, it's yeah. going to be a different religion. Um, but that in itself, I don't think, necessarily gives me the fulfilment on a personal basis. Right. My fulfilment is seeing people who are content, who are happy, who have got some sort of, yeah, 
even some sort of spiritual thing that keeps them going or whatever. But my philosophy is, is quite, quite basic, really. I believe that when you're born, you get two bags. You get a bag of hours and you get an empty bag. Now, what you don't know is how many hours you've got in your bag of hours. Mm. Every day, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever your circumstances, you use 24 of those hours out of that bag. Mm -hmm. You dip in and you take out 24 hours. You don't know when the last hour, when you're scrambling about in that bag, oh, I've got no more hours left. And that's terminated. That's when you come to the end of your life. How you use those hours is key to getting your fulfillment, being happy, achieving, finding things that make you happy. Now, what about your empty bag? Mm. This is what I call the gold nugget bag. As you go through life, you will hear, see, feel, touch, experience things that make you feel really, really good. Mm. And at the end of each day, I go through everything that's occurred to me during the day and I find a gold nugget mm-hmm. and I pop it in my gold nugget bag. Right. So as I go through life, my hourly bag is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And my gold nugget bag is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the clever bit is when you know you've only got the last few minutes in the bag, your hourly mm-hmm. bag, you hand somebody your bag of gold nuggets. And that way you're passing on, and we do that through experience, through a learning curve, through writing books, through giving people your own experience, etc., etc. Mm, and creativity. That's my basic philosophy of life. Wonderful. And I, it, and I found it's been as good to me as any faith, as any religion, mm. and it just makes me feel great. So if I get to the end of the day and I don't feel I've actually used my hours in the most productive way, Mm-hmm. The next day, I need to do something to change that. Yeah. The next day, I need to say, you know, I'm going to get double the enjoyment now of one hour that I'd normally get, you know, only single enjoyment. I'm going to double my enjoyment. So you actually do that as a balancing act. And that's normally through interaction with other people. Mm. Being content is incredibly important and being happy is incredibly important. But I think it's about... It's almost like panic on board a ship. If you can turn that panic into happiness and you can actually, you know, get people to to be part of that process, then I I think it's great. So that's basically my my philosophy of life. Mm, Thank you so much for sharing that. It's very wise. And actually, in a a certain way, you know, not not unlike some faiths. Correct. um, It just depends on where we focus our... our, um, experience of religion and and things like that so that was really lovely thank you so much for sharing that andrew i'm sure i'm sure the listeners will find that really useful it's a beautiful metaphor beautiful so in terms of coming back to the virus what do you have a relationship with this virus i again but my, my example i'm sorry but i'm full of these bloody metaphors things yeah uh, lovely even I get bored sometimes. No, please don't. <laughs> but if we go back, let's go back a few hundred years. Mm-hmm. Go back a few hundred years when people fought with bows and arrows. Mm-hmm. Now, you just imagine this in your brain. You've got people fighting with bows and arrows. Mm. Somebody suddenly comes out from nowhere and has got a machine gun and starts firing bullets left, right and centre. People are going down and getting killed. It would frighten us to death, 
we'd wonder what was going on. We'd try and hide. We'd try and find a way of how we're going to deal with this. In fact, we'd start be talking to the very people that we'd just been fighting with to say, look, there's something that's come up which is greater than what we're capable of doing. We need to try and do something about this. Now let's fast forward that image to today. The bullets now are COVID-19. And the problem now is we can't see them and we can't hear them. They just happen to be there. And we're looking at the aftermath of what happens if it gets to somebody who cannot fight it off. They are dying through COVID-19. I can guarantee if COVID-19 was bullets today, 99% of people would not be venturing out. They'd be staying in their homes. Mm. That's what you do. You don't go out and face something that you can see can kill you. Because we can't see COVID, that's the problem. And I suppose we've got to take an individual view of what's best for ourselves and how we think we can best prepare for something which we can't fight. I mean, yes, we've got the table, we've got the, the antiseptic wipes, we've got the stuff, so when stuff is delivered to us, we wipe it all down, we clean it, we wear masks in the house, we wear gloves, we do all the things we think. But you do get to a point where you think to yourself, why am I doing this? And mm. the fact is, we can't see anything. Yeah. We seem to be going through the... I mean, if somebody visited us from another planet and watched what we were doing in our house, they'd think we're mad. But they well, they're putting masks and gloves on to wipe down all these bags and foods. For what reason? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because at the very beginning of the pandemic, I think everybody was afraid of the unknown and took it seriously. But as time has gone on, um, I think it was to do with a lot of trust with, with leadership potentially and also the fact that, you know, that there isn't an agenda that's clear for many people. And so, you know, it's, it swings and roundabouts and they're finding their feet as well. They're trying to establish what the best way of dealing with this is and it keeps changing. So, Absolutely. And I think the other thing is, and, and going back to our, our first battle, I mean, we've got countries, many of whom wouldn't be even talking to each other, are now working together to try mm. and find a vaccine, to find the thing. So, so that is the good thing. That's the thing that's happening. It's like a common enemy. Exactly. But the other thing I think, which is also a truism, and people have stated that there are statistics that prove there are many other things in life which will kill you more yeah. than COVID will. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean then you ignore that. And the biggest difference now is that you can be a carrier. You can actually take COVID to somebody else who's perhaps tried to not get it, and you could actually end up killing them. Yeah. You're, you're a passive person who's actually passing on a deadly killer. Mm. And, again, it's because it can't be seen. Mm. And people, therefore, who can't see it, I don't think I've got it, but you could very well be the one person who's transmitting it and giving it to other people. Mm -hmm. and, and human nature is very, very difficult to understand something that they can't see, that they can't hear, that they can't feel. We certainly feel it if we get it. But do you know what I mean? It's the senses yeah. that tell you. So when you look out and you see everybody walking around and nobody's got masks on, well, they seem okay then. You know, they're not dropping down. They seem to be fine. But they could be the very people that if you go up to and talk to, they could be transmitting it Yeah, to. we just don't know exactly. 
I mean, it's clear that community has been a big thing for you during this time, but I'm just wondering, is there anything else that has helped you through this period other than people? I mean, is there music, poetry, art? I'd say cuckoo clocks uh, in their broader sense and I upgrade them. So I would take something like a, um, a Wizard of Oz clock and then right. surround it with all the characters, with the yellow brick road, with all that sort of thing and just take it up to a new level. Um, so that's quite enjoyable. Mm. Uh, and that, again, fills some of those hours that I would have been spending going down to the, the shops or to the local do-it-yourself or wherever. Mm. Um, but I, I also think that it's important that those things are secondary to ensuring, for example, that my neighbours are okay, that there's people who yeah. don't need some support or need some help um, or something else that I could do to make life a little bit easier for, for somebody else. We had a very nice guy who was, he actually worked for the NHS and in order to prevent or to stop himself giving his father um, COVID, slept in his car. Um. And so he's been sleeping in his car for the last five months outside our residence and there's always a resident who'll cook a meal and take it out to him and give him something to eat or try and help him we're also looking towards the uh, the council to perhaps find him a little one room place somewhere if, if, if they can um but you know we don't see him as the bloke sleeping in the car we mm. see him as the bloke who's trying to prevent his father being given COVID-19 because mm. he doesn't take it in to his family. You know, it depends how you look at these situations. Yeah, it does. But in terms of your own personal experience, is there anything else that's helped you through this time? Well, I th again, I think it's about the state of mind. I think mm. it's about how you perceive it. Uh, you can either be swallowed up by it and go downhill and to many people that is not that's the only way forward i mean there's no other options other people who are fortunate enough to be able to do things and to to try and get themselves out of it like myself um very lucky mm. it's about how you then take your own situation and process it in such a way that you can bring somebody else on board to give them a hand or try and help them or try and do something for them it's not always easy you know there's a fine line between encroaching on other people's lives helping other people and not helping other people mm. you know there is a balancing act that has to come into play there i mean i can i can say quite openly that all the people on our residential whatsapp the one thing they don't do is encroach on anybody else's lives mm. they are simply there saying i've got this would anybody else like it yeah would somebody like me to do this? I'm going down the shops tomorrow. Would you like me to pick something up for you? So it's always about an offering from the individual yeah. and not an expectation of what you expect from other people. I mean, mm. one of the biggest things I've had in my life is as soon as you expect something from somebody else, you're on a downhill run straight away. Never yeah. expect anything from anybody. Do it because you want to. Give because you want to. Help because you want to. Mm. Nothing comes back. Does it matter? Because you shouldn't be waiting for it. You should be now moving on to the next person. And yeah. Trying, I mean, trying to help. Or something for yourself. So, so in terms of your own personal experience, I mean, what I'm, trying, what I'm getting here, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that actually the act of supporting others and helping others is helping your own mental state. 
Well, I think I think it's also about other people. I, th I think it's about the interaction. Right. I think it's about it's it's like we're a big group. You know, if you if you drink, you go to a drinking. You know, want to stop drinking or you want to stop drugs, you you can go to a group. Yeah, I think this is the biggest group in the world of mm. people who are trying to deal with COVID nineteen. Yeah, massive yeah. group. Yeah. And if we look upon ourselves as a massive group, everybody's part of the group. Mm. Uh, we have our own views, we have our own things, but that interaction, that interchat between the group, mm. you know, and then you get your professionals, you get your scientists, you get your doctors, mm. you get people who are fairly ambivalent about it, you get people who don't really want to know about it, you know. Mm. Sticking me wrong like I've always done before COVID came along. Mm. So you get a mix of people, but it is the biggest group. And it's a help group that people can find out what other people are doing and how they're going about it. Yeah. And what can you do to help them do it? And, yeah. I, and, I, and I just think it's it's about looking how you've lived your life and how you may have to live your life. I mean, I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine in America and they've got a two and a four-year-old and they're wearing masks. Mm. And what's going to be strange is if we could roll forward 20, 30 years, if masks are the norm, like we dress as the yeah. norm, like we go and wash as the norm, we go mm. and sleep as the norm, if mask becomes the norm and somebody said one day you can actually take your mask off, yeah. <laughs> how many people would? How many people would think, hang on a minute, do I, do I really want to do that? Yeah. I mean, I've grown up wearing a mask and nobody's ever told me I can take a mask off. Mm. We've grown up not wearing a mask and now people are saying to us you should wear one. Yeah. So, there, there's the conflict that comes yeah. in, and it's generational. And yeah. so we're going through this process now as the generation affected by COVID. Mm. 20 years on, 30 years on, 50 years on, what will we celebrate in our 100th wedding anniversary, I think. And, but then the whole perception and of how things work may have changed completely. What yeah. the technology, when you think of how medical technology has advanced, so how do we know that you know, in next five years, ten years, we're going to have all sorts of things that are going to make life much more uh, interesting and much more comfortable. We don't know. Very curious, though. Where have you specifically experienced compassion over the last few weeks? Well, I think I think it was the people that helped the guy in the car. Right. It, it wasn't unexpected. It gives you a sense of, you know, everybody's in this. We're all mm. in this together. And, you know, whatever we can do, does it hurt? If, you, if you're going to make a meal, just to add a few more ingredients, put another plate out, you, you know, have, have a meal on us or something like that. Just is. I was, I was in the Ukraine uh, about 15, 20 years ago and driving through Kiev, I used to see groups of people in, in small groups huddled on the pavement passing things to each other and I didn't understand what was going on and I said to the guy who I, I was with what's happening and he said oh once a week the groups come out and they bring a utensil from the kitchen and they pass it around to each other so everybody gets a chance of using one of the utensils he said because they don't have anything but this wow. way everybody gets a chance of doing it mm. and that's what hit me when Covid hit we were then starting to go through a process Mm. Well, we're actually saying to other people, if you haven't got one of these, here's something. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
and people who have got youngsters, young kids, yeah. who have grown out of their clothing now, grown out of their toys, who have grown out of their playthings, mm. suddenly appearing in the front garden, you know, anybody mm. would like this for their new kids or anybody would like that. It's terrific stuff. It's it is. And you can't control that. That's just an offering that comes straight from the individual. It's just beautiful. spirit of the individual. The spirit of humanity. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what is your new normal? As a person, mm. I have to admit, I did go for a week uh, in about the third month where I actually felt depressed. Right. Now, it's not depression in the sense of what people go through in terms of depression. Yeah. State that I suddenly felt there's something that's not working for me. And it mm. took me about a week to come out of it. Mm -hmm. And luckily enough, I did come out of it because my approach to, to life tends to be a little bit more, you know, break break it down. I don't see walls. I see the bricks that make up the wall. I don't yeah. see it. I don't see the finished jigsaw puzzle. I see the bits that make up the jigsaw, if that makes sense. It does. It does. So I, I look at the constitution parts of something and it's something in there that will give you the answer mm -hmm. to what you need to do. If you right. just have a whole thing to face you, you're never going to get through. You'll never get through a brick wall. But if you look at each brick and find a weak one, you may be able to knock it out and start producing a hole in that brick wall. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's key. What is the first thing that you would like to do for yourself when you're free to do so? Nothing different. I I I just uh, I, I just think that because I go back to my philosophy of these two bags. Yeah. A bag of ours and a bag of gold nuggets. Yeah. That's what I come back to every time. Yeah. What am I doing with the hours as I take them out of my, my bag? Mm. You know, we've spent, what, an hour now chatting together. There is an hour productively used chatting to you, trying to spread a few things about uh, what we've been trying to do, how we've been meeting COVID. That, that to me, is, is a good use of, of, of that time. Yeah. Clever bit is when we stop talking, what am I going to do next? Sure as X is X, that hour will go whether I use it or I don't use it. And I say this to people if you was to actually pay yourself money, and let's suppose you was to pay yourself a pound an hour, mm. and as each hour went through the day, you put a pound in your little bag and said, Oh, I've earned a pound. Well, let's make it a hundred pounds. Now ask yourself this question. Would you have paid somebody £100 for what you've just done in the last hour? Mm. And if the answer is no, change what you're doing. If yeah. the answer is yes, you're doing a good job. Right, nice. It's as simple as that. Right. So what, what would you like to see in our world, Andy? Well, the first thing, of course, is a vaccine. It's going to give people the confidence to be able to go out, not have to worry about COVID, the same as we get our flu jabs, the same as we get other things. And I, and I think it's about people need to have confidence. Mm. And I think the only way they're going to get that confidence is by the development of a vaccine. Unfortunately, we're flesh and blood. Uh, the, the way our bodies work, the way we, we live, mm. we, need, we need to have these, these, these things that can help us to survive and carry on. 
and it's no different from you know if you go back to 17th 18th century and you know if you lived to 45 years of age you were doing a you, you had a marvelous life if you lived mm. to five you know now unless you live till about 85 people think you've had a fairly short life so yeah. um it this is how and that's in just 200 years mm. and then if you take the last 40 years with the with the we had technology technology which which absolutely escalated now we're having medicine which will escalate mm -hmm. i think we're going to move into some new i mean i'd i'd love i love cryogenics so i'd, I'd love to be frozen well i've got to say this out of earshot of the wife but <laughs> at some point i'd love to be frozen and be brought back in about 500 years time it mm. would absolutely fascinate me to see mm. what has happened. Has the world moved on? Has it moved on? Does it exist anymore? Perhaps I won't be able to be called back. Yeah. But I, I, I think if you, if you accept that um, time waits for nobody, and mm. time is going to go on, and that's what I say to people: count your hours, look at what you do, how you do it, when you do it, what and just make the use of it so you yeah. can look back at the end of the day and feel happy and content mm -hmm. and then when you, you'll sleep better you'll feel better and if people can't do that and it's up to the people who can to try and support those people the best way they can totally. and, and, yeah. that, and that's all there is to it it's it's a very simple it's back to maslow's hierarchy of needs survival mm. first and then you work your way through and anybody doesn't know has maslow's hierarchy of needs go on the web have a look at it yeah. and it'll show you all the levels is it time to let go of something now that we've been through these few months? Uh, wow. I can't think of anything. I, I, I wouldn't swap my life for anything. I've had some terrific ups. I've had some terrific downs. I even spent an amount of time driving the Dalai Lama. And I spent many happy hours, many happy days going to monasteries, going to different places with him and his Buddhists. Mm. And he is very, very spiritual, obviously. Yeah. And I'm not. Um, but the well, I'd, qu I'd question that, by the way. <laughs> the, fascinating, the fascinating thing about him was mm. that when he was discovered, he had to go and learn the scriptures. And he basically, as a child, was on his own, very, very isolated. But he had a watch. And what he did with this watch, he took it to pieces. And then he put it together again. Then he took it to pieces. Then he put it together again. And it fascinated him. When I used to drive him, he used to insist on sitting in the front of the car with me. Mm -hmm. Then would come the questions. What does that dial do? Ah, oh, that tells us how fast we're going. What does that one do? That tells us how much petrol we got it. What does that one do? And then all of a sudden, he'd break into a chant. And he used to say to me, look, I'm going to be chanting as we go along. Ignore that. Just be there when I want to ask you questions about what the dials do, how the car works, how this operates, et cetera, et cetera. And that was part of that process that actually said to me, you don't need a faith. You just have to believe in the spirit of people. You just have to recognize mm. that it's what people do that gives you some sort of thing about isn't life worthwhile? Mm whatever the situations are and if you can keep on that side of the coin however difficult it may be then i think you you know nothing nothing will stop us he's clearly rubbed off on you through his uh, presence 
Well, I think the reverse happened as well. Because yeah, he I'm actually, sure. <laughs> he actually said to me, he wanted to take a photograph. I've got it in the front room. He wanted a photograph of me and him together. Hmm. So one of his Buddhist monks took the shot and he said, can I have a look at it? I said, and this was before we had these, these lovely phones that you can have hmm. to do everything now. And he said to me, well, go and get it developed. So I rushed down to Enfield Town, and now Goldie Horn follows Buddhism. Yeah. And Richard Gere follows Buddhism. Yeah. And I had both of them on the photos as well. I went into Enfield Town, and I said to the people in there, can you develop this urgently? And they went, no, you'll have to wait like everybody else. I said, yeah, but on mine is Dalai Lama, Goldie Horn, and Richard Gere. And they just laughed at me, and I said, truthfully, I said, I'll tell you what, have you got a charity, charity box? And they said, yeah. I said, fine, do those for me now. If they're not on there, as I've just told you, I'll put £100 in your charity box. Right. So they went and did it. And you could hear them at the back. Oh, look, there's the Dalai Lama. There's <laughs> Oh, there's so-and-so. Anyway, I got the photos. I did put some money in the charity box, by the way, not £100, but I did mm. put something in there. Went back to the Dalai Lama. His Buddhist went out, brought him down. He wasn't interested in the photo we had of him and I. He just said, well, who's this? Who's well? That's my wife. Who's this? That's my dog. But who's it? That's my cat. Who's this? Well, that's my friend. Who's this? Who's this? Who's this? And then he got to the last one, and he said, "Would you like me to sign it for you?" And I said, "Yes, please." And over my shoulder must have been about twenty biros suddenly appeared from all his. <laughs> you know, and he took one. He signed it for me, and I've now got that in the front room. Nice. And that—that that to me was was a terrific path. Mm. that I was on at the time. And as I say, I wouldn't change anything because if I did, yeah. that may never have happened. Yeah, lovely. Is there a piece of music that would represent these times for you that I can play at the end, the end of the interview? <laughs> oh, my goodness me. Well, I love Gothic music, and I don't think it necessarily would be... Um, uh, you know, I've got quite a few. But I, I, I was listening the other night to The Carpenters. Okay. Uh, and she sings a song called I'm on Top of the World, Looking Down on Creation. And I, and I think that's a terrific song for this, for this sort of time. You've shared your philosophy, but is there one piece of wisdom that you'd like to share with the listeners? The, the one thing I think that I've always travelled through life Never, ex never have any expectations. Once you start trying to expect things back or expect things to happen, life isn't like that. It doesn't happen. And if something does, then look upon it as a icing on the cake. But do the things you want to do because you want to do them, because it fulfills something that you want to achieve, something you'd like to do, mm. whether it's helping, giving, caring, whatever it may be. And that's key. Once you sit back and wait for something, you'll be sitting there forever. And yeah. there, you're wasting your hours from your alley bag, and you don't want to do that. Yeah, nice. Thank you. So is there anything else you'd like to say before we end? Today? Yeah, I would like to. And, and can I first of all thank you? I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been terrific. But My I, pleasure. Total pleasure. Thank you. Many of these things that I've spoken about, especially with our group, with the, with the interaction of our Forest Lodge Estate group, 
is that we have street festivals, etc. And none of those things would work without the support of our ward councillors. And in particular, I'd like to, to mention Shaban Nadidi, Jerry Lyons, and Castro Burberry, because those are the three key players mm. that have the group and linked the group to the council. I know we're all residents of the council, but that linkage is important, especially if you're looking for funding to support you with street festival or whatever it may be mm. and anything that you can get to support that and make it happen I think the people who do that for you and on behalf of the residents as well it's not just me it's but for, it's for everybody onwards and upwards onwards and upwards indeed thank you Andy great conversation thank you for sharing your philosophy of life and your experiences and I hope that this has helped the listeners as much as it has helped me today. Until next time, this is for you Andy and all our listeners. Enjoy. Such a feeling's coming over me There is wonder in most everything I see Not a cloud in the sky Got the sun in my eyes And I won't be surprised if it's a dream Everything I want the world to be Is now coming true especially for me is clear it's because you are here you're the nearest thing to heaven that i've seen i'm on the top of the world looking down on creation and the only explanation i can find is the love that i've found ever since you've been around your love's put me at the top of the world Something in the wind has learned my name And it's telling me that things are not the same In the leaves on the trees and the church of the breeze There's a pleasing sense of happiness for me There is only one wish on my mind When this day is through I hope that I will find that tomorrow will be just the same for you and me All I need will be mine if you are here I'm on the top of the world again Down on creation and the only explanation I can find Is the love that I've found ever since you've been around Your love's put me at the top of the world You've been around, you're the